الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله قال الله تعالى سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد مسجدي هذا ومسجد الحرام ومسجد الأقصى رواه مسلم صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Most respected علماء أساتذة Brothers and elders in Islam السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our master, our cherisher, our nourisher, our provider, our sustainer. And we send the choicest of salutations, blessings, salawat and salam upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family, his companions, those who followed after them right till the day of Qiyamah. Of course, with the events that are taking place globally, and the challenges that the ummah is facing, particularly in the land of Palestine, it is only appropriate that we discuss some aspects of this blessed place, some aspects of this sanctified land. And inshallah today, we will try and cover a few aspects. Firstly, what is the reality of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? and the land around it. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have to say about it? What does the Qur'an Majid? What does the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have to say about it? So that we can educate ourselves and understand the status of this blessed land in our sharia. And then we will look at a brief history of this masjid and how it came into being and what it traversed through this period of time and then very importantly looking into the ayat of the Quran Majid in reference to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and extracting some pertinent lessons for you and I and then finally in conclusion discussing what you and I can do in the wake of the current challenges that this particular area is facing so we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this short time gives us the ability to cover as much of this as is possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself mentions Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi Glory be to the one who caused his servant to traverse by night min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa from masjid al-haram to al-masjid al-aqsa alladhi barakna hawlahu that land whom we 
caused the environment around it to be blessed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself calls this place Al-Masjidul Aqsa and himself calls it a blessed land. Abu Dharr radiallahu an on one occasion asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that which was the first masjid that was built on earth. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned Al-Masjidul Haram. And then he asked which was the next one and it was said Al-Masjidul Aqsa. And then he asked that what was the period between the building of both of these masajid. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions Arba'una sana that it was 40 years between both of these. So there's a question that comes about that commonly we know that Baytullah, Kaaba Sharif was built by Ibrahim alayhi salam. And the Masjid of Al-Aqsa was built as is common knowledge by Sulaiman alayhi salam. And the time between Sulaiman alayhi salam and Ibrahim alayhi salam is a lot more than a period of 40 years. In fact, some have mentioned that it is up to a thousand years. So how do we reconcile this particular hadith? Ulama have explained, and there are different opinions, that in actual fact, Al-Masjidul Haram, the area was sanctified as a place of worship, and perhaps the foundation was laid by Adam a.s. And 40 years after that event occurred, either Adam a.s. or from amongst his progeny, and one opinion, Sheikh a.s., was responsible for laying the foundation of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Now when we say laying the foundation, one is the physical foundation and the other is that sometimes an area can be demarcated for the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course there are other opinions with regards to this, but time does not permit us to go through this. So this is a piece of ground that has been sanctified. In fact, what is the meaning of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? The meaning of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is the furthest masjid. Why? Because it is the furthest from Baytullah at that time. When Quran was revealed and it was referring to it, it was the furthest masjid from Baytullah and the lands of Saudi Arabia as we know it today at that time. Makkah and Medina Munawwara. And it is also mentioned that it is the furthest from filth and the furthest from the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Other names that are used for it in our Sharia, Al-Baytul Maqdis. Baytul Maqdis is that home or that house, that masjid that has been sanctified, that has been made sacred by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this piece of ground, this area, and again, it does not refer to a particular masjid that those of us that may have visited it, it does not refer to a particular masjid, but it refers, it refers to a large area that has been blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have mentioned, Abu Hurairah radiallahu an narrates it, that, لَا تُشَدُّ الرِّحَالِ إِلَّا إِلَى ثَلَاثَةِ مَسَاجِدِ That do not undertake a journey with the intention of specifically visiting a masjid, except for three masajid. Masjidi hadha, this masjid of mine, al-masjid al-nabawi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and... Masjid al-Haram in Makkah al-Mukarramah and finally Al-Masjid al-Aqsa. So ulama explain 
that when it comes to the virtue of traveling to a particular masjid with the intention of visiting that masjid, then there are only three masajid that it is permissible for us to go and visit. And the virtue and the reward of visiting those masajid is only extended to these three masajid. Some ulama mentioned that in addition to this, Masjid Al-Quba is also included. But because it is part of Madinatul Munawwara, and when a person generally travels to Madinatul Munawwara to visit Masjid Al-Nabawi, then he will also visit Masjid Al-Quba. But all the other masajid in the world, the reward of performing salah in them is the same. So what is the reward of performing salah in Masjid Al-Aqsa? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have mentioned that performing salah in Al-Masjid Al-Haram is 100,000 times greater than salah in any other masjid. And performing salah in my masjid, Masjid Al-Nabawi, is 1,000 times greater than any other masjid. Now there are different narrations, we'll focus on this particular one. And performing salah in Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa is 500 times better than salah anywhere else. So if a person performs his salah here, if he performs his salah in different masajid around the world, and it is permissible to visit a masjid with the intention of business, tourism, seeking knowledge, etc. But when it comes to a specific visit to a masjid and a person preparing himself to go to the masjid, the virtue is only in these three masajid. So, we find that Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa has got a very high standing and status in our Sharia. It was the first Qibla of the Muslims. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for approximately 13 years in Makkah Al-Mukarramah, he performed Salah towards Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And then after the Hijrah, for approximately 16 months, almost one and a half years, continued to perform Salah in this direction. This was the Qibla for all of the Anbiya. We find that so many Anbiya salam they visited this place and they are buried in this area. Sahaba radiallahu anhum are buried in this area. It is the only place on this earth that all of the Anbiya gathered at one specific point and performed salah behind Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And like that there are many other virtues, time does not permit us to go into them. So if we look at the history of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, we mentioned that it is reported that the foundations were laid as early as the time of Adam alayhi salam. And then in the time of Sulaiman alayhi salam, the masjid was formally constructed. And Sulaiman alayhi salam, he engaged the work of the jinn at the time to assist him in the construction of this masjid. And after that, that masjid was in the hands of the Banu Israel, the Jews, for a number of years. And throughout the period of history, you will find that the masjid was either partially or completely destroyed a number of times. And we'll get to that a little bit later, inshaAllah. And then we find that up to the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this area was now controlled by the Christians of the Byzantine or the Roman Empire. The Eastern Roman Empire or the Byzantine Empire, they were in control at the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it got to a point where no Jews were allowed into that area 
and the area where it was reported that the masjid that was built by Suleiman Ali Salam, because it held significance for the Jews, the Christians used it as a dumping ground. In fact, it is mentioned that the menstrual pads of the, of the ladies would be dumped in this area. This was the disrespect that was shown by one religion to the other. And then we had the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, where Sayyiduna Amr ibn al-As radiallahu an, he made advances into the land of Sham, and he came up to the borders of Al-Masjid al-Aqsa, or that precinct. And he then sends a note to Umar ibn al-Khattab, to come and liberate Al-Masjid al-Aqsa. So, Umar radiallahu an, he makes mashwara with the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, Uthman radiallahu an felt that he should not go, Ali radiallahu an felt that he should go, and then he makes this decision and he goes, on foot, with a conveyance along with his servant. And he is the one that enters Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and liberates it and brings it into the hands of the Muslimin in the month of Rajab, in the 16th year after Hijrah. So coincidentally, and nothing is a coincidence, but something of note, is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have visited Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in the month of Rajab for Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. Umar radiallahu an, he liberated Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in the month of Rajab, in the 16th year after Hijrah. And thereafter, when it was taken back to the Christians and liberated once again by Salahuddin, it was also liberated in the month of Rajab, in the, la, in the late, latter part of the 6th century after Hijrah. Something of interest. So Umar radiallahu an very humbly liberates Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and it is mentioned that as he goes in as a conqueror, he is with his servant and they had a donkey and it was the turn of the servant to ride the donkey at that time. The servant says that, O oh, Amirul Mu'mineen, it doesn't look right. You are coming to conquer this blessed land. You should be riding. And he says, No, this is your turn. And he enters Al Masjid Al Aqsa in this condition and it is reported with patch, patches on his clothes. This was the extent of humility. And when Umar radiallahu anh entered, then he restored the rights of those who were oppressed. He allowed the Christians to continue to live there under protection. And then, after 476 years, this blessed land was taken away very violently from the Muslims by the Crusaders. And today there's a lot of hubbub about how women and children are being killed and slaughtered. It is reported that the Crusaders... They exacted a bloodbath on the Muslims. More than 70,000 Muslim men, women, children and infants were slaughtered at the time when the crusaders took over Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and its precincts. And for 90 years they held control of this place until Salahuddin then liberated it. And subhanallah when he liberates it, no blood is spilt. He does not exact revenge upon those who less than a century before caused 70,000 Muslims to perish. And he gives the rights to the Christians and to the Jews and to all the people that are living in this precinct. So that is a very brief history of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Now I wish to highlight a point that we can take from history wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions when he is talking about Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa and he mentions that we decreed for the Banu Israel that 
they would have control of Masjidul Aqsa so long as they were obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when they became disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then we would snatch away Al Masjid Al Aqsa from their control and they would suffer punishment at the hands of the enemies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions two occasions when this happened in history, where they had control of Al Masjid Al Aqsa, but after they began to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they did not uphold the laws of their sharia, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them and in some instances Al Masjid Al Aqsa to be destroyed totally. So Mufassirin explained from here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning this not for information purposes for you and I. When the stories of the nations of the past are mentioned, it is not for information purposes. Rather, it is for us to take a lesson that if we carry out our actions in the same way as the nations of the past, then it is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the practice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the same outcome, event, punishment that was meted out to those nations will be meted out to us. And Mufti Shafi Usmani brings a beautiful point under the commentary of this verse in Ma'riful Qur'an. And he says, and remember he is writing this around the 70s, 60s, 70s, when we formally lost control of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in 1967. Although we are there and we perform salah, but the Israeli government took control of that precinct. And he mentions that the reason for our downfall in this area is because the ummah at large have turned away from Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he brings this fine point and he mentions that there are only two qiblas that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set in the history of humanity. Baytullah and Baytul Maqdis. But the law of protection for both of these is not the same. When it comes to Baytullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken the responsibility of the protection of Baytullah upon himself. And we saw this in Amul Fil in the year when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was born, when the elephant army tried to attack it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected Baytullah. But when it comes to Baytul Maqdis, then the protection of Baytul Maqdis the control of Baytul Maqdis is related to the actions of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When our actions are in accordance with the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it's very important here that we should not cast our gaze at the people of Palestine and say, no, they are not obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is their disobedience, this is their disobedience. That is not the case. You and I have to look into our own lives. When we want to liberate Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, ulama explain that we can use all the other means, but the true honor, the true means that, are there, that is there is ruju' ilallah. When we bring this into our lives as an ummah, then we will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us victory, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us control of this blessed land. So we spoke about the blessedness of this land in light of the Qur'an and the ahadith. Of course, there are many ahadith that talk about the blessedness of this land. We spoke about a brief history of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa throughout time. And we spoke about a very important lesson 
that we find in the Quran in Majid that if we want to help Al Masjid Al Aqsa, if we want control of Masjid Al Aqsa as an Ummah, then we need to turn to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. We need to make Tawbah from our way of life, and we need to come back onto the laws of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And in conclusion, what can we do in this? particular situation. Of course, the most important thing as we said, is we need to make a fervent effort before we march, before we boycott, before we do anything else. Let us make this intention that I am going to make Tawbah from all of my sins. I am going to make Rujur ilallah so that we as a collective Ummah can get assistance in this particular area. Then of course, the least that we can do is we can raise our hands and we can beg from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala irrespective of the political situation and whether it's a false flag operation or not etc. The reality of it is that 2 million people in that area are being oppressed. They are being asked to evacuate. The question is where must they evacuate to? They are in an open air prison. So we can make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where possible, we can send aid to assist the people that have been injured. We can send aid to assist those people that have been display, uh, displaced from their homes, that are undergoing difficulties. So these are the basic things that we can do. And then finally, we can take it upon ourselves to educate ourselves as an ummah with regards to the history of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Teach ourselves, teach our children, look deep into it and extract the lessons. Because not only is this land blessed physically for us to visit, but you will find that there are many lessons in history with regards to this particular land. Time does not permit us, but that would be of benefit to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant ease and victory to the people in that area and to all the people that are oppressed throughout the world. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alam.